This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next time the ball. Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. These are always more fun to do after a win. My name's Matt Bagley. I'm joined by Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. And we don't sound very fun because this isn't going to be very fun. Oregon controlled their destiny to go all the way to the college football playoff, take another Pac-12 championship and more. And now all of that's been tossed into the air. You lose to Stanford, you lose control of that destiny. Um, how are you taking all this in, my friend? How are you feeling after that stunner on Saturday? Well, you know, here here you and I are. It's a Wednesday, so, you know, uh, I've had time to digest it. Um, I would have to say if I kind of just go back in my memory bank uh, and try and think uh, about Saturday afternoon, um I just, you just really felt like in that moment that you were watching a team trying to give that game away. You just, whether it was offense, whether it was defense, you're consistently watching a team in the first half for, you know, maybe not the third quarter per se. They started getting things going a little bit offensively. uh, And you think, okay, you guys finally woke up, but you legitimately just tried to give them the football game for, you know, half the game or two, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, I know after the game, I personally, you know, I was uh, semi-distracted because my son uh, was playing a soccer game. It started at three. So, you know, the game uh, kind of ended and I, I segued right into that. But then when that got done, it was just like, you know, man, that was, I mean, that was brutal. Just, I mean, it, it was, it was brutal, but the reason it was so brutal is because Oregon played terrible Really, they played terrible, still had a chance to win the football game and decided not to. I think that's what what is the worst part about that game. Yeah, and that's my takeaway as well. Just it was an ugly first half. I thought the third and fourth quarters were better. And then you have Stanford pinned back. I, I still can't wrap my head around this. Like, sure, there were some terrible calls on that last Stanford drive in regulation. But you have Stanford pinned back. Like, there's no reason why the Oregon defense that we love and and praise every week and fans, you know, talk about all the time, oh, how great this defense is. We have all these NFL-caliber players, uh, first-round picks, everything. There's no reason for Stanford to march down the field in that scenario. Very little time on the clock, length of the field to go, and they did it. And and that's that's where I, I agree with you. Oregon had this game. And gave it away. Yeah, gave it away multiple times. You know, just that the unfortunate, uh, you know, drive that ended in the in the second quarter leading into halftime that they didn't get points on. You know, that sticks. And, and again, I'm with you. The officiating at the end of the game was was bar none. It was it was terrible. It was yeah. god awful. The the you know the the defensive holding on Mikel Wright gave an untimed down. You know the the calls in overtime, all of it was bad. But Oregon should have just never been in that position. They never should have been in that position where you you know it's kind of like they say. Uh, I, I liken it to this. They say in fighting, 
if you're not the champion, don't leave the don't leave the result in the judges' hands. And that's exactly what Oregon did. They left the result, you know, quote unquote, in the judges' hands. And uh, I mean, we saw where it went. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am I am of the opinion this game cost Oregon its shot at the playoff. How do you see that? Well, you know, I don't blame you for feeling that way. I would say I'm leaning that way. Uh, it's certainly an uphill battle now. Uh, you certainly would rather be where you were, which was controlling your own destiny. That's by far the easiest path to the playoff. Um, my feeling is this. Uh, Stanford is a well-coached team. They're a decent ball club, but they're not a top 10 team. Okay, that's not a top 10 team. UCLA, I don't think that that's a top 10 team. I th- maybe top top 25. I don't know. They're they're up and then they're down. They're just not consistent. Uh, USC's a mess. Uh, clearly, Oregon State's the team to beat in the North at the moment, which we all predicted. Um, Washington, <laughs> Washington's not very good. ASU's not that great. Problem is, I don't think the Pac-12 has any really good teams, and that hurts Oregon. Uh, Oregon might be included in that statement. I don't think they're a great team. I never thought they were the number three team. I thought they were the number three team because there's really just not that many great teams out there. Um, but I didn't see a, a, a number three you know, caliber team most years. So I, I, I'm with you. The path is incredibly hard. You're going to have to win out. Uh, you're going to have to have some style points, I think, at the end of the day to get yourself in there. Uh, you really need Ohio State to continue winning and end up winning the Big Ten in my opinion. And if those two things happen, I think you're potentially in position. It depends on what, you know, Cincinnati and some of these guys have going on with their schedules and what happens with them. But I'm with you. It looks like it's going to be incredibly hard for Oregon to get there. Yeah. You mentioned how crazy it is that, that the uh, team in Corvallis is on top of the North division. Uh, That's never happened in the history of the PAC 12, obviously, um ever so pretty big deal there i think dave bartu one of our friends we've had him on the podcast before he has done a lot of research over the years that the conclusion of which suggests the committee cares about strength of schedule more than anything else right that's their rationale for why the sec always gets the benefit of a doubt and why the big 10 ohio state always get the benefit of a doubt is that those are the two most difficult conferences and the conferences that generally have teams with the best strength to schedule. Um, I think for Oregon to make a name for itself with that as the criteria, you need the Pac-12 to get good, right? You need Oregon State to win out so that they're a ranked team and they're in that you know New Year Six conversation before the uh, rivalry formerly known as the Civil War, so you can best them. I think you need Stanford in the moment to do all right, or, or maybe only have one more loss so that you can pass them in the standings. And then obviously, you've got to take care of business, and I think you need help elsewhere as well. Where I, I think Ohio State right now, seventh in the polls, if the Buckeyes win the Big Ten... Oregon can still say, hey, we went to Columbus and we beat the Buckeyes. And I think that's a, a quality win and a, and a solid argument for them. But if, say, Penn State or Iowa or Michigan win that conference and everybody says Ohio State has a down year, I, I think 
they're going to ignore that Oregon win. Oh yeah, yeah. Your your strength now lies in uh, your strength at the moment. At the moment lies in two. Well, three things. Let's say three things. It lies in Ohio State being a good football team and winning, pretty much winning out. Uh, it lies in, I believe, a little bit. This is probably third of the three, but a little bit in Stanford, maybe winning more of its games moving forward, which is going to be difficult to do, but you'd like to see them with a, a pretty positive winning record moving forward. That will help you. And I think, like you said, you really need to see Oregon State keep winning. That way, when you get to your final game of the year, if you're both 1-2 you know, in the north or whatever the case might be or close to it or both in the top 20, mm-hmm. you know, you get to put that win under your belt. So I think you know those are those are three of the biggest things. Of course, we can point to hey, you need UCLA to win, and then you need to beat them. And, yeah, I get all that, but those are probably, right now, the top three at the moment. And it'll change over the course of the season depending on wins and losses. But, uh, you know, right now today, that, that's what Oregon fans are, are kind of hoping for. Yeah. Um, so a couple of follow-ups after that game. Uh, Ducks lose to Stanford. They stay in the top ten of the polls, but they appear to be outside the playoff conversation as it stands. Um. Joe Moorhead, I, I don't want to probe you too tough on this because I know that you don't like to burn sources, but what do you know on that situation, and is he going to be back on the 15th? Uh, he, I, you know, I know what his ailment is. He more than likely should be back on the 15th. I don't know that you'll necessarily see him. Uh, or he, you're not going to hear from him this week. We know that, but um, he sh- he's going to be fine. It's not serious. It's not, uh, you know, life-threatening. It's any, not anything of that nature. It's just kind of one of those kind of freak things that come up and, and had to get tended to. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I know as of the other day, I think he, he hung around uh, in the hospital there in the Bay Area because he did make the trip down, and it was it was legitimately a last-minute thing. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he stayed overnight or maybe, you know, one or two nights, but he, I, he might be back in Eugene by now. If he's not, it would, I would assume, you know, today, based on what I've heard Wednesday, as we're recording this, uh, I can't imagine uh, any later than tomorrow. So, uh, getting back probably needed, you know, a few days of rest, at least, you know, he could probably do some stuff over zoom, you know, everything's online. So I'm sure he can get in there and do some of that, but, um, you know, hopefully you get him back out there next week and, even if you just have him at practice and he's kind of overseeing stuff a little bit and, and offering input with, with Coach Mastro, uh, you know, who did uh, call the majority of the game for Stanford, I think that's probably what you'll see. And uh, and let's be real, this Cal team's not very good. I mean, I, it, 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 it frankly shouldn't matter if Moorhead's in the booth. Or, well, he does it from the sideline, but if Moorhead, if Coach Moorhead is there or not, Coach Mastro should be able to handle it. And in my honest opinion, was the play calling perfect? No, it never is. But I didn't see the play calling as the reason Oregon lost to Stanford. It, it looked like it was a pretty clean game overall. Uh, it really boiled down to a lack of execution on on Oregon's part, uh, in my opinion. And it just frankly looked like they weren't ready. Yeah, and, and you hit the nail on where I was going to follow up with Jim Mastro calling plays on Saturday. I, I noticed, especially in the fourth quarter, Oregon was pretty vanilla. It was a lot of runs, and I, I give yep. them credit. It's a lot of runs that worked because that's the strength of this football team. I, I get the sense you don't feel like Jim Mastro was simply 
being uncreative or, or too conservative, you get the sense that uh, Oregon just felt like that was the, the plays that gave them the best chance to win? Yeah, I, I think you started, you know, I, I, I think, you know, if you look at it, uh, it's pretty clear that neither Joe Moorhead or Jim Mastro are going to be able to do anything that will give Anthony Brown the confidence to throw the ball downfield. That's 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 squarely on on QB one there. So there's really nothing you can do to fix that uh, as a play caller. So, you know, your next best thing is is giving him makeable throws, check down screens, just easy, you know, five, six yard slants, things that are, 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 a you know, attainable goal there. I think that's what you saw Jim Mastro do. I, I believe in my opinion, going back and looking, you know, Oregon did a good enough job running at the beginning that, you know, Stanford kept kind of creeping up in the box and creeping up in the box. And then as that went on, I think they switched to throwing the football Stanford once again realized that Oregon can't effectively throw the football downfield, so maybe they crept back a yard or two, but they stayed relatively in the box. They never, never, you know, played deep with their safeties in the whole football game. So uh, I, I think as you started seeing Oregon ha- have some success in the passing game, again, they were shorter passes, but it was still success. Then you saw Stanford back up a little bit. Well, guess what that does? That opens the run back up. So I, I, I think they did a good job looking at what the defense was giving um, and trying to cater to that and obviously trying to minimize, um, you know, what you were asking of Anthony Brown. He just wasn't making good reads and throwing the ball well. So (laughs) at some point you kind of say, all right, we're going to have to abandon throwing the ball. We're going to have to stick to running and get creative. And, and, and I think they did that. So again, I'm not, I'm not giving Mastro a, a, a pass and saying he called a perfect game. I'm sure there were some mistakes there, but overall, if we look at, Hey, these are the five factors and, and these are the five reasons Oregon lost the football game. Well, that would probably be number five for me out of the list and probably by a significant margin. How close is that team to swapping quarterbacks? Well, I mean, that's a million-dollar question, right? I mean, that's whatever radio shows talk about, every other podcast, everybody on the message board, every other thread is, you know, would you make the move? And, and uh, you know, I, I guess I would say this. Let's say that this is not college football, and let's say that this is the NFL. Obviously, they're two totally different things. I get that. But let's say this is the NFL. To me, it's no doubt in my mind that you make the move. You, you You're clearly looking at, okay, we've got the – We've got the six-year veteran on the squad that's been with us for six years. We know exactly what we've got in him. Doesn't not very effective throwing the ball deep. Doesn't really get to the sixty percent completion mark like you'd like to be at. Obviously, Oregon's more like sixty-five, but we'll just say sixty. Um, we know what he is. You've got the rookie that just came in that you drafted him pretty high. He's a first rounder, whatever. You know, he's the future. Let's go ahead and put him out there and see what we got. And and in the NFL, it's easy because these are paid pros. These are guys that, hey, when you sit them, they don't have a choice. They don't hit the transfer portal. You know, they don't do those types of things. And and everybody on the team is a paid professional. It's, it's hey, coach made the decision. I just go out there and play. That's not how it is in college football, unfortunately. You've got scholarships that you're trying to manage. You've got relationships that are vital to your recruiting down the line. You've got younger male individuals that you need to manage from an an emotional and mental standpoint. Maybe this particular group is a little closer to this quarterback and this group is closer. You've got so many variables here that it's not so cut and dry. If we were in college, I'm Mario Cristobal and I base it purely on performance. I'm making the move. 
I would make the change for, to Ty Thompson from Anthony Brown if there were no other factors. But that's not the case. You, you are making the movement from Anthony Brown to Ty Thompson. Here's the residual from that. Anthony Brown probably, I don't know, he might hit the transportal. He might quit. We don't know. He might stick it out. That part is pretty minute. I mean, because at that point, you've basically signaled, I'm going with Ty Thompson. He's the guy. He's the future. When you do that, you can't really go back. Okay, if you decide two games that Ty Thompson doesn't work out and you go back to Anthony Brown, you're going to have some egg on your face. You know, it doesn't look good. So if you make the move to Ty Thompson, you have to be absolutely 100 percent sure without a doubt that it's the right move. And, you know, it certainly kind of seems like it's that way. It seems like there's a lot more positive positives and negatives to that. But another residual is now you've basically signaled to Jay Butterfield, Robbie Ashford, who are the other two guys that have really come in and provided you good depth in a quarterback room that you haven't had depth in for, I don't even know, six years, 10 years. It's been a long time. Those guys now see the writing on the wall. Hey, this is Ty Thompson's team. Good for him. I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere. I've got two, three years left on my clock. They might not do it today. Okay. They might not do it tomorrow. They might not do it till the end of the season. But now Anthony Brown is gone. You know, we're, we're talking December, January. Anthony Brown's gone, graduated on to the next level. He's out of time. Jay Butterfield Ty, and, and Robbie Ashford decide they want to go somewhere else and, and be the guy, and that's somewhat understandable. You're down to Ty Thompson and hoping that Tanner Bailey comes in and he's the guy next year. That's dangerous again. You're, you're in the danger zone again. So uh, if you don't make this move to Anthony Brown, let's just say you don't, and I, again, I'm not advocating that, and – Ty Thompson sits back there. You probably don't chase off those other two guys. They might stick around for another year. They might not. We don't know, but you got a chance at it. There's just so many residual here that I don't think fans are thinking through. And that's okay. You don't have to. You're not Mario Cristobal. You're not making five mil a year. You know, these aren't your big picture decisions, but I'm outlining at least to people why. Yeah, on a performance basis, yes, this is an easy move. If this is the NFL, it's an easy move, but it's not. There's just so many other factors going on. Um, you know, we saw last year when Anthony Brown didn't get to play much as quarterback coach, you know, hopped on social media, kind of had a fit. Anthony Brown decided to come back. But that guy works with a lot of young quarterbacks around the country. You don't want to be on his bad side. That can't be the sole reason you make the decision to stay with Anthony Brown. But again, it's another factor in what you're doing. So um, that's I guess that's my thoughts in, in voice. It's a lot easier to get that up in voice than in in. Uh, in text but yeah those are some of my thoughts on the move if you're asking me yeah i'm probably making the move but i will trust that mario cristobal knows a lot more about it than i do right right and that's why i framed the question the way i did because i i know <clears throat> that if we had the power we're making the move but you know that staff better than anybody and and i think you did a really good job kind of opening up the why on why that staff hasn't made that move yet uh, there's there's one thing I, I want to touch base on, though, in, in what you said. You talked about how it might impact the future of the quarterback room, and I, I think even casual fans can understand that, right? When you have a young player like Robbie Ashford and a young player like Jay Butterfield still have some eligibility left, if an even younger quarterback gets the job over them, they know they need to go elsewhere if they want to start somewhere in college football and live their pro football dream out someday. That makes sense to me. Um, but I, I get the sense that let's say the coaching staff 
move on from Anthony Brown and they named Ty Thompson the starter, I got the sense from you that there wouldn't just be a rift in the quarterback room. There'd be a rift on the whole team. Yeah, and that's the difference in, in, in college. You know, there's just so many personalities to manage. There's so many dynamics, um, you know, and <clears throat> it it is, I guess, the one dynamic I can't really speak to is, you know, what does your OC want? You know, what does he see out there? Is, is he wanting to stick with Brown or is he seeing, hey, look, yeah, we got to go Ty Thompson. He's going to see something different than Mario Cristobal does. What's what's Jim Mastro see? Okay, he's going to look at it from probably more of a run game perspective. He's maybe not quite as worried about the passing game, although that's going to be relative, you know, to what his guys are able to do. What's he seeing out there? So, yeah, you got to go get the input. You know, Nate Costa, also on the staff, works with the quarterbacks, very involved. You know, what? what's he seeing out there? And, and you talk about a guy, and, I, and I'm saying Nate Costa, you talk about a guy that's been through it, that knows the the mental side of, of being the guy versus not being the guy, the injuries that he faced. Uh, you know, he was around in, uh, in a very important period of Oregon football, you know, was able to kind of watch some of the shortcomings of, of what was going on and, and, and how they worked through those and, and offer that experience. So I think you got three or four guys there that, you know, you're really going to lean on. And then, of course, you got to go talk to the receivers. Hey, you know, what, how are you guys feeling about this? What, I, mean, I, I have to think, I've got to think that with as few balls as these receivers are seeing like good balls quality balls they're probably pretty pissed off they're probably not very happy i mean they're out there blocking they're doing what's asked of them they're you know they're doing all these things but let's be real these are receivers they want the freaking football they want to run routes they want to be tossed a deep ball they want to have an opportunity to make plays they're they're typically an egocentric bunch and i, I think you got a guy like troy franklin probably and dante thornton sitting there you know just kind of just hyped up and ready to go and and the football's not getting downfield i mean it's probably not that much fun for him so you know again a lot of things as i laid out to weigh as opposed to just okay which one's playing better okay let's start that one you know it, it's just unfortunately not that cut and dry for mario cristobal mm-hmm. um bye week for the ducks they they've been pretty I, I would say reclusive this week. No conversations with the media. Um, you know, not a lot of word coming out of practice. And I think that's okay, honestly. Uh, you just had a big loss. Just had all the expectations of the season pretty much shatter and fall down upon you. So I, I think it makes sense for this team to take a few days away. Um, but what what you know, given what you know, how is this team preparing for the uh, Cal game Friday the fifteenth, you know I think they're um, I think they're doing a little bit less time preparing for the Cal game per se, which is obviously you know you start getting your your uh, scout team out there and preparing for certain schematics you're going to see in certain formations and and plays that you know Cal likes to run, and I think they're just kind of getting down to fundamentals here. You know some of the the simple things like coverage and tackling. Uh, working on the offense, trying to iron out some things there. Um, also, probably trying to take a couple lighter days in here, which is what they've been doing. Really try. I mean, let's let's face it. I'm, it's not lost on me that Oregon is a absolute mash unit of a football team right now. They are down, you know, what we'll call a dozen players that contribute, and that number's not exact, but you get my point. They're down about a dozen guys that contribute. Doesn't mean they're all starters. 
Uh, you know, but these are guys that, that contribute, that play. And, you know, you're just trying to get some of those guys back and get healthy, uh, you know, figure out where you're going to have to keep plugging holes with some of the youth that's out there. So uh, ultimately, that's what this week has been about. Um, and I think, you know, Mario Cristobal and his staff are just really trying to hammer home the, hey, you know, we lost. Let's shrug it off. Let's keep going. You know, it's it's on, it's on to 1-0. and It's, you know what I mean? If we keep doing things the way we're doing them, we're going to be fine. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. It's nothing fancy. It's not anything we're going to be doing a, you know, a hot take soundbite on, but um, that's a lot of what's going on. Yeah. 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 We'll save the hot takes for next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything? There's plenty, of, there's plenty of other podcasts that you can get that from. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned radio shows. I know that firsthand, you know, you got all the, all the uh, folks up here in the Portland area that they got to get their fix in every day. Uh, any, anything else, Oregon football, that you want to talk about before we move on to college football at large and our five games of the week? You know, no. I, I think the one thing I like to, like to point out here, and it's not necessarily really related to this specific game, but, um, you know, and, and on the message board and on Twitter, uh, I think it's okay to vent your frustrations. It's okay as a, as a Duck fan or whatever team you like to, you know, second guess some of the decisions made by the coach or by the quarterback or, you know, there's no reason to get personal. Like, Hey, you know, Anthony Brown sucks. I wish you'd take his attitude some more. So whatever you, that's an example. Uh, But to say, Hey, look, he didn't play a good football game. Yeah. I I think that's a fair criticism. And he even said that himself, Um, you know, to say the offense needs to get better. uh, That's totally fair too. I, I don't think anybody on staff would disagree with you there at least maybe more consistent as opposed to just saying better, but more consistent. But um, I, I think it's so um, disheartening when Duck fans start turning on other Duck fans and say, oh, well, you're being negative. You're, a, you're not a Duck fan. You're a nega Duck, you know, whatever. It's like, no, that person's just offering what's likely a fair criticism. Now, some of the folks jumping on here and saying, oh, we need to fire Mario Cristobal. This is, you know, what we should expect under him. That shit's ludicrous, man. I mean, come on. That's, you know, I mean, like you can say it because you're mad, but if you honestly believe that, you probably should <laughs> probably should stop watching. So, you know, I, I think there's a fine line of, of you know, what folks say uh, and and it being, um, I don't want to say okay, but it being applicable. But, yeah, there are some some takes that get a little far-fetched that, that are hard for me to swallow. It's not just fans. Sometimes it's the media get a lot of knee-jerk reactions. We get media that are fans of the particular team they cover. Uh, and they tend to get a little emotional. I, I got to be honest. I was a huge Duck fan coming up. I have Duck gear. Uh, I don't. I don't shy away from that. But doing this as long as I have, I've really feel like I've been able to kind of put those emotions away. And you know, when you do this job every day, I think it becomes a little easier to kind of be a little bit more uh, critical uh, than when you are a fan and you hung on the wins and you dreaded the losses and you know all those things made you super emotional i gotta be honest oregon lost to stanford on saturday it wasn't like i was around kicking my dog i was that upset i just kind of went well you know they didn't play a very good game and they really didn't deserve to win so then i just kind of tuned it out the rest of the day but anyways that's just me that's my rambling thoughts yeah it's it's not the first time that, that championship hopes have been derailed in a stanford game i i think anybody that lived through the Helfrich years and the Chip Kelly years can uh, vividly remember those pains. But I also think 
as as someone that I've always admitted I'm I'm a lot more of a casual Oregon fan than a diehard Oregon fan, I remember what this team was with Mike Bellotti. Where does he have a couple good years? Yes. Oregon won two Pac twelve titles. Oregon won a Fiesta Bowl, right? I'm I'm never gonna forget that till the day I die. But Oregon was always second or third fiddle in the Pac-12 conference, or or, or Pac-10 then, right? Of right. there were some really good Cal teams with Aaron Rodgers and and Deshaun Jackson and Marshawn Lynch. There were some incredible USC teams: Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, etc. And there were even some good Oregon State teams, like the one that that bulldozed Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. So. Oregon had some good years, but Oregon wasn't the same stature as a program as they are today. And so, yeah, that loss Saturday, that loss hurt. But I, I think you have to put it in perspective. There were so many years where eight and four or nine and three would have been taken unblinkingly. And this program is so much better than that now. I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I mean the <clears throat> the bar is set high. I mean, you know, the the, the reason people are up, upset is because Oregon shouldn't have lost to Stanford. Whereas if we said that six seven years ago, you know, Oregon takes Stanford to overtime, everybody's kind of excited. But you know, discounting the Chip Kelly years, you know, Oregon's man, we just took you know, we just took Stanford to overtime. That's that's great, you know. And the reason people are so excited about you know, Oregon State right now is, is frankly, they probably shouldn't have beat both Washington and USC. They're, quote unquote, and I said this about Oregon, headed into the Stanford game. They're playing with house money. At some point, the law of averages comes into play, okay? Oregon probably shouldn't have been 4-0 headed into that game. And we still, I still kept coming back to, hey, this is probably a 2-3 loss team. And that's something we felt prior to the season. We readjusted our you know, expectations after the Ohio State win. But at the end of the day, it probably was still a 2-3 loss team. At some point, you were going to get a loss. It's the lo- it's just, you know, you're again, I said, going into Stanford, you're playing with house money. And, you know, you got that loss. More than likely, you should be able to notch a couple wins out because uh, you're, not, you're not really playing with house money as much now. Oregon State's playing with house money right now. They're going to get a loss. It's yeah. probably not going to be anybody you would expect them to lose to, but it's going to come. Oregon fans won't be upset because you're not a fan of the team. But, you know, when you are a fan of the team, it don't, it don't, you know, you're going to see Oregon State fans melt down. How the heck did we lose to Cal? We beat USC and we beat Washington. Well, that's just, I mean, that's just the law. That's just how it goes. That's how it, that's how it goes in conference play. Yeah. That's how it goes in college football. I mean, I remember 2007, <laughs> everybody losing to everybody. Um, I think it's time for five games. I like it. We do this every pod during football season. Five games. These are the five games I pick and the five games Justin picks that we think you should watch this weekend. And it's especially important because Oregon doesn't play. Um... Before I get to that, this is something that you've told me to point out before, and the, the Scoop Duck readers have told me to point out before. If something is in the background and I hear it, I got to tell you, your phone is blowing up like crazy right now. Yeah, it is. And I even have it on, it's on vibrate. I don't know why it's there. I turned it off. I okay. turned off the vibration, so it won't be so bad, but I don't know what's going on there. 
Did uh, everybody did should. Herbs take the USC job or something like? Uh... You know, <laughs> not yet. I, I, I think I think I think he needs to. Uh, I think he needs to move that girl out to LA first. That, that way, he has a place to stay after his wife kicks him out. Oh no! And then he'll take the job. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, to, yeah, I I could talk your ear off about that. I mean, it's it's one thing to bail on the team flight, which is like the biggest no no in college or the NFL. Like the coach yep. always is on the flight back with his team or the bus back with the team if it's a small college level. Um, but then the fact that the whole world knows you're a married man and that your wife has been by your side your entire career and the whole world sees you're grinding up to like some college-aged girl in Columbus, it's just a bad look. It's a, Well, especially when... I've never liked that Kerbin Meyer. I've never liked him. He's 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 a salesman. He tell you one thing, and you know, writes a book on discipline. Then he doesn't freaking discipline his own players. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I he's a, he's an absolute fraud. So for him to do it, it's no skin off my back. So like, oh, herbs, how did you do this? I didn't see it coming. Well, if you didn't see it coming, you're just not paying attention because he's a slime ball. But uh, you know what? I the the thing is the the here's. And I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Here's probably the best thing that's come out of this. He's probably going to get fired from Jacksonville, which I don't ever want to see anyone get fired. But he's probably going to get fired from Jacksonville because I don't like him, so I'll just say it. Right. And now that you've done this and had this, you know, this is why you're getting fired. Now USC can't touch you. You know, it'd be one thing if you got fired at the end of the year because you went, you know, 0 and 12 or 0 and 17 or whatever the schedule is for the NFL. Right. And you know, well, okay, let's give him a look. You know, it's it's Urban Meyer. Let's give him a look and. Now, now they can't do it. You know, now they're they're screwed. <laughs> yeah, it's it it it's different from say the Bobby Petrino situation. Uh, you know, people people instantly made that comparison. They go, "Well, Herbs could do what Bobby Petrino did back in the day and, and bail on his NFL team midseason to take a good, uh, college job." But Bobby Petrino <clears throat> did that before. He was caught with a graduate assistant on the back of his motorcycle, you know. Yeah. Like Bobby well, Petrino still had a reputation. It was shattered after that, but Herbs doesn't have a reputation right now. Well, and the and the other part about that is is um, you know USC is at a crossroads. They can't. They really can't afford to hire somebody with you know some questionable, uh, you know. I don't know what you want to call it, character, background concerns, whatever going on right now. They need a face of the program. Uh, you know, you can't go from Clay Helton, who's obviously a very clean, you know, very uh, – he. he uh, we can all hate Clay Helton for all we want as right. a as a football coach, but he's such a clean individual. He's got a – you know, he, he, people like him. He's very likable. I like him. Um, you know, he's a guy that you'd – you know, hey, I, I wouldn't mind my kid being around him because he's going to be a good influence – you know, Urban Meyer, sure, he's going to win you football games, but he's a douchebag. And let's just call a spade a spade on that one. So uh, I, I don't think they can afford that kind of uh, image leading their program right now. Yeah. If they were winning and this was totally different, maybe so. But that is not the case for the mighty Trojans of L.A. Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, the late Al Davis openly and publicly called Lane Kiffin a liar. And I remember when <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian was caught drinking – uh, during a USC pep rally. So in, in comparison to those two, Clay Helton looks like a saint. 
Um, I, I mean, I mean, in Sark's defense, it was allegedly. I mean, nobody took a BAC test, so you never know. Right, but I'm, I'm, I mean, tra- I'm totally kidding. Right, but, but, he was drunk as shit. Right. It was, it was plate pretty obvious. Yeah. But no, I get your point. Um. Okay, so we, we kind of just went off the rails, and I took us there. I'm sorry. You want to do five games? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So five games. I pick my five. You pick your five. And my rationale is this for my games. I care more about the context as it relates to Oregon's Pac-12 hopes, if they still have any, and their playoff hopes, if they still have any. So I, I picked those games with that in mind. We'll start Friday, 7.30 on ESPN, Stanford at number 22, Arizona State. Oregon needs yep. help in the Pac-12, and, and I think they need a good Stanford team this year, but they still need Stanford to lose one of these games. Yeah, well, yes and no. I, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I guess since they're also in the North, you do need them to lose because obviously they own the tiebreaker now. Uh, but on, on the other hand, you want them to win. You want them to be good. Um, you'd love to see them get ranked. Uh, I'm not sure that they will, but it would be ideal. So, yeah, I, 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 it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, I think Stanford's going to lose at some point. It's just a matter of time. I personally think, you know, take this win and, you know, kind of let it um, – you know, kind of validate your loss a little bit. Not that you ever can, but maybe just a little bit. Um, and maybe just because I really like seeing Herm Edwards and ASU lose. Maybe that's even more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have that one on your list? I did. That is tops on my list as well. That's I mean, I mean that's a that's a Friday night game. That's just a treat right there in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Oklahoma at Texas is my second game, number six Sooners, yep. number 21 Longhorns, Saturday, 9 a.m. on ABC. And it's similar logic, just applied to the playoff. Oregon needs Oklahoma to lose. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I agree. Uh, and, and circling back, I love what you said about, you know, we're picking games that relate to Oregon because we are. Uh, I also tend to try and pay attention to, um, like, the game time. You know, I don't want to write down four 12 o'clock games because you're not going to get to watch them all. So, you know, right now we have a Friday night game. This one here is your Saturday morning wake up, you know, with your coffee in your PJs on the couch uh, watching games. So, yeah, I had that one as well. We're two for two. Uh, and then to follow it, I had Georgia and Auburn uh, because, you uh, you know, I, you're not going to get ahead of Georgia, Georgia, I don't think. But it'd be, you know, it might be good to see Auburn kind of get their butts whooped. Uh, and stay behind you because that's a that's a team that does have potential to leapfrog you, uh, in my opinion. If they if they decide to keep winning, yeah. Um, Georgia Auburn was on mine too, so I, I think that makes it what three for three right now. Three for three. Okay. I bet I bet we got the same next one too. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Ohio State hosting Maryland, uh, number seven Buckeyes Saturday nine a.m. on Fox. You need a lot of teams to lose. I think you actually want Ohio State to win out because then that win in Columbus looks better. Yep, you do need Ohio State to win out. I didn't have that one on there just because uh, Ohio State should absolutely demolish them. But uh, but yeah, you are to your point. Yeah, you need Ohio State to keep winning, and it probably wouldn't hurt your case if they started winning with some style points as well for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four was 
from the same conference. However, I put down Penn State and Iowa. Um, if I, I, I'm going off memory just because I didn't write it down, but I think that's a three versus a four. Um, and I think, you know, if you get a loss there with one of them, it'll be interesting to see where they fall. Um, you know, if either of them potentially got another loss, um, I, I think there's some implications there, not to mention Penn State and Ohio State, you know, both looking pretty good and you're really needing Penn State or excuse me, Ohio State to kind of be the team. So uh, I, I did list that one as my next game. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, uh, that game is at one o'clock. And so far, I don't really have much overlapping. So that's that's a good early afternoon game. Yeah, that was the only aspect of my five this week that I wasn't happy with. I like to stagger it so that people really could watch all five if they wanted. But so many of these games are Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Saturday morning uh, games for sure. Uh, so so far, I've been able to do pretty well with it. But yeah, and uh, I'm down to one. I I don't. I'm gonna. We might have the same one yeah. left. I'm not sure. Yeah, we probably do. And and everybody jokes about it all the time. I swear I'm not an Oregon State fan, but they're leading. They're leading the Pac-12 North for the first time ever. So I have Oregon State on the list. Um, I think the best thing for Oregon would be the Beavs win their next three. And then their schedule gets tough. They got Stanford. They got, um, I I want to say, oh, it's, um, oh, goodness gracious, I had this in my mind yesterday. I think it's Stanford, ASU, and Oregon to wrap up the year for them. So, and I, I might be wrong on, on that, that second team, but I think it's Stanford, ASU, Oregon in November. They want Oregon State to win out this month look really good, get in the top 25, be on the top of the Pac-12, and then have that rivalry game be for all the marbles. I think that's the best-case scenario for Oregon because then they can show the committee they have a quality win in the Pac-12. Yep. It's pretty much their only chance, and that's assuming Oregon can continue winning. Uh, I didn't write that game uh, just because I – Actually, I think Oregon State will get it done. But I went with Utah-USC as my fifth and final game, 5 o'clock on Fox. Uh, Utah's not that good, but neither is USC. And so I, I think I just kind of want to see the uh, kind of the, the train wreck in slow motion, which is what it feels like. I, I don't know. I, I, I wrote that game down and thought it would be a good one for Oregon fans to take a look at, especially kind of see what you're going to get in Utah later this year. Yeah, it, and then that's an interesting one to me, just because I I always expect so much more out of Utah. Like I always yep. trust great coaches. It's really I think the saving grace for Oregon is that Oregon's in this conversation as well. Um, if you have a great coach in the Pac-12, you should always have nine or ten wins. Stanford are on that trajectory. Oregon's on that trajectory. Utah should be on that trajectory every year. But then there's that mess they have at the quarterback position. So I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. and and it seems like they kind of always have that. But you know, uh, you know, I don't. Yeah, Kyle Whittingham is a good coach, and I think he gets a lot of love uh, every year and puts together a pretty good squad. But it also sometimes takes him, you know, two or three years, and then he gets it, you know, a a, a year or two out of that squad and then they kind of move on. He's got to rebuild for a year or two. So it seems, seems to be uh, we're in a little bit of that rebuilding phase for them, but yeah, I still think they can beat USC. 
I mean, that's really not not saying that much, I guess, at the end of the day. No, you mentioned their trajectory. I I wonder how many times they think about, what if we just blocked Kayvon Thibodeau on that Friday Pac-12 title game back in the day? Right. (laughs) Pretty pretty crazy to think about, yeah. Yeah, block Kayvon Thibodeau, do a little bit better in your punt schemes, and... uh, you know, maybe maybe the world would be a different place right now. But Utah got completely owned in that game, and well, here they are. Um, those are are our five games. I think we differed on two of them, um, and uh, it should be a, a pretty fun Saturday. You know, I always say this, and I, and I, I'm curious for your thoughts. When my teams don't play, so like case in point. Uh, you know, I've always said I'm a huge Raider fan. They start the year on Monday Night Football, and then they had Monday Night Football last week. I loved my Sunday because I didn't have to stress. I could just watch all the games and have fun. I think this is a good weekend for Duck fans to do that. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's a great weekend for Duck fans to watch some good football. There's some really good football games on. I mean, for you and I to agree on three almost right out of the gate tells me that there's some good football out there. And not to mention, you know, just try and see, uh, you know, where you're at in the Pac-12. Watch some other Pac-12 games you, you know, might not have been able to watch so far and just kind of, hey, let's see where Utah's at. Let's see where USC is at. Hey, how's Stanford going to rebound after beating Oregon? You know, are they going to play well against ASU? How good are they? Are they for real? So I, I, I think there's a lot of that uh, you know, this weekend for, for Oregon fans to just sit down and, and crack open a cold one and, and, and kind of do that sort of thing. Okay. All right. Uh, my name's Matt Bagley. He's Justin Hopkins. And I think this is a good point for us to wrap up the pod. Anything else you want to hit on? No, no, that's great. That's it. Uh, just, you know, uh, keep sticking with us. We'll keep doing these and, and, uh, we should be adding hopefully, uh, more podcasts to the rotation sooner than later but we'll we'll keep grinding these out for now yeah yeah scoop duck and hi-fi we are on all sorts of platforms and always looking to add more so if we're not on the place that you like to find us reach out to justin or i uh he's on twitter at j hopkins sd i'm on twitter at bagley sports let us know and we'll do our best to get it there thank you for listening and as always go ducks (laughs) 